Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be groovy. Welcome to Zero One Nine Strategic Partnerships for Your Nonprofit. Are you lonely? Sometimes nonprofits exist inside a vacuum. This is not conducive for sustainability, let alone survival. One reason for the segregation that I often hear is that one thinks another nonprofit organization will compete with their nonprofit and take their funding. It's almost like everybody wants their territory on the block and they don't want to share sometimes. Another reason is that many nonprofit staff and executives can never seem to get out of the office to meet with potential partners because they're just busy putting out the virtual fires that are constantly going on. The thing is, partnerships are resources. Partnerships can literally make the difference between your nonprofit being able to pay the bills or shut down. There are different types of partnerships, but all are extremely valuable. We will be talking about three main types of partnerships in this podcast today. The first one is comprehensive service partners, and those are like, you know, other nonprofits or different services that are related to your nonprofit. The second one is corporate funder donor partnerships, and those are basically, you know, partnerships where you might be getting in-kind resources or cash money. Um, And of course, number three is your beneficiary partnerships. So the people that you actually serve, how are you developing partnerships there? So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about each one of these. So engaging with a healthy number of partnerships that offer comprehensive services in relation to your nonprofit is really important as these partnerships enable you to share knowledge, training, lessons learned, and tangible resources. For example, if you are part of a nonprofit that serves domestic violence survivors, then some partners may be the police department, Department of Public Health and Social Services, WIC, the hospital, local clinics that serve women, psychiatric offices, other nonprofit shelters, the courts, Department of Corrections, daycare centers, employment agencies, community colleges, and so forth. Other nonprofit organizations could include victim advocate peers, substance abuse center for women, human trafficking nonprofits, foster homes, public legal counsel, and so forth. Basically, any other entity that you could leverage for support or, on the flip side, that you may receive referrals from. Your job is really to know all the ins and outs about every other organization that could provide comprehensive services for your beneficiary. So you want to know everybody out there that could do wraparound services to meet the needs of your beneficiaries. For instance, if a survivor of domestic violence enters your facility, but all you offer is a three-day emergency shelter, so maybe that's all your grant covers, you would immediately begin to find longer-term shelter, support for the courts if needed, child care or school support if the survivor arrived with children, and so forth. 
Just knowing a phone number or email address from a website may not be enough. It really is key to develop relationships with these organizations so you have a system down to streamline these services. Your relationship should be to the point where you know the point of contact on a first name basis and understand all of their services, including eligibility. Nonprofits should be excellent at referrals to other services. I have witnessed this firsthand where a family came into an organization with five children and immediately partners were called and shelter was arranged within a matter of hours. That is wonderful, but it can be rare, so make sure that you really develop those relationships. Make sure you are attending coalition meetings and know who the other players are in your field. This can be the difference between helping your beneficiaries or not. A way to build these relationships Further is to co-apply for grants or funding for projects, so to go in it together and to actually do some cost sharing for these things. The fact that you are working with partners is a strength to funding sources and can offer a split share of grant writing and also the ability to serve your beneficiaries in a comprehensive manner. So feel free to team up too when you're writing grants and be like, you know, this organization is going to do this and we're going to do this and, you know, have one entity to handle the monies but, you know, to have the other entities to really handle the services. That actually can be, or that can be a positive um, in the site of funding sources. Okay, so now let's look at corporate funder-donor relationships. Corporate funder-donor relationships are obviously key in developing because we all need funding. But how often do you only reach out to these individuals or entities when you are, when you are not asking for money? Do you really try and develop a partnership with them? or do you only solicit once a year to your fundraising event? So developing a partnership is simple in that you can send these funding sources consistent information about your organization. Rather than only hitting them up for money once or twice a year, give them free tickets to attend one of your events. In this way, you will actually build a relationship and give them value before you ask them for anything. This is huge because most nonprofits do not do this. By doing this, you will inadvertently also research these funding sources more strategically and find ones that really would resonate with your cause in the best way. For example, if you are giving out free tickets to a fundraiser, you are going to be a lot more picky about who you are giving out these free tickets to, right? You would probably spend a bit more time figuring out if they would be a good long-term relationship when you are the one offering the value. That is a good thing. Because while you want every Tom, Dick, and Harry to give to your nonprofit, it just won't happen. It would be better to have long-term relationships with funding sources that really get what you do and commit to you being a main sponsor every year. Can you imagine that? It's almost like your nonprofit could start have to have retainer relationships with funding sources as you can develop relationships so tight that they commit to giving you a portion of their givings every quarter. And then you don't have to run around always asking them to give to your organization for each thing that you do. That burns them out. So you might as well say, hey, would you come on as an annual partner and give a certain percentage or a certain amount every quarter and they can work that out in their budget as well. So it's a win-win situation. And then their logo goes on everything that you're doing. You know, you're always mentioning them in social media. You have a connection. So that's actually a lot better than trying to scramble around for every single fundraiser that you're doing or other event where you're looking for funding. Okay, but it's not going to happen if they only know of you by your cold call solicitations every year. I cannot stress this enough. Develop a relationship and your partnerships will rock. 
All right, let's get to number three, beneficiary partnerships. Now, this might not be one that just kind of pops into people's head when they're thinking about relationships. They normally think about the donor relationships, but what about the beneficiary relationships? Well, it would be a bit strange if you weren't developing relationships with the people you actually serve. Sure, your beneficiaries may not be people, as I know some of you serve animals or into the arts or restoration of historic buildings. I mean, there's all different things, you know, we're not all nonprofits that just serve people. But you still want to build understanding and be on the cutting edge of those other beneficiaries. For those of you who do serve people, then here are some ideas on how to develop deeper relationships and partnerships with these people. For one, you could conduct an annual survey to see if you are really meeting the continual changing needs that the beneficiaries have. You could have focus groups, one-on-one -on -one interviews, online quizzes, or simply create more staff to beneficiary projects or activities and do more observations. For instance, maybe your staff mostly does administration when survivors come into the door. But every staff could rotate in facilitating a group class in their field of expertise or passion with the survivors to really grow the relationships and compassion. If you do not have people as your beneficiaries, then continually learning about what the need you serve is key. Become an expert in your field and a go-to person or organization uh, for people when anyone has a question about your demographic or what you actually are doing. So now that you have better relationships with comprehensive services, funding sources, and your beneficiaries, how do you measure it? How does this really help your organization on the financial side? You gotta pay the bills and knowing someone's first name may not make the direct difference, right? So you're like, come on, Holly, I know that person's first name, but what's really going on? Indirectly, though, this does help with funding. Maybe you don't really need the funding to grow a childcare portion of your nonprofit, because you can develop a memorandum of understanding with a nonprofit child care center and the, De or the Department of Public Health and Social Services. This collaborative partnership might enable your beneficiary to have priority access in receiving a child care grant through the Department of Public Health and Social Services and priority at the nonprofit child care. By doing this, you would eliminate starting up an astronomical project of starting a childcare center that you may not have the capacity to do so. So just developing relationships could be key. And then you would have a place for your survivor's children to actually go to um, if you're just organizing kind of these relationships. This is just one example, but there are many examples on how you break down the resources that your beneficiaries may access for free by many other nonprofits or comprehensive services, and then you can deduct this expense from your budget because you don't necessarily have to provide it then if it's already out there. You know, somebody else has a grant for it, somebody else has done fundraising for it, and they offer that. Leverage those partnerships and vice versa that they can take advantage of yours that you have um, when you can cross kind of uh, share those responsibilities. All right, you've asked the funding source to attend your events and you are all chummy now. But how do you transition to asking for money or support? So you've sent those tickets, they've come around, da da da, you know, you're developing this relationship. So once you actually develop the relationship, then asking for support once in a while is a-okay. By this time, they should be willing to give. Hey, another way to get a big corporate person to give is to invite them to be a board member, right? If they're really passionate about your cause, you've developed that relationship, so they really see what you're doing, your passion is contagious, they get passionate about it, have them come on as a board member. 
As long as they are passionate about what you do and are understanding about your mission and vision, it might be a good time to see if they would be interested in serving more directly. It is good to have a corporate bigwig who believes wholeheartedly in your nonprofit to serve as one of your board members. I mean, even Warren Buffett sits on the board for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Heavy hitters in the funding world can make a huge difference um, as part of your board of directors. So I'm not trying to be like salesy on that kind of pitch to get somebody in the door, but it's really smart and key to have some good, so like people that have good connections um, to be on your board of directors too, as long as they really embrace what you're doing. And finally, how can beneficiaries help with your budget? Well, if you really are developing positive relationships with them, they might actually decide to apply at your nonprofit for a job or even want to volunteer or intern at some point in time. A major benefit is that they are real with you and tell you how you can streamline services and what worked and what didn't work. So you might be sitting in the back room doing all the admin kind of behind the doors and rolling out these projects and developing this stuff. But if you actually have relationships with your beneficiaries and you're doing those kind of surveys or just, you know, hey guys, um, can I, can you tell me how we're doing or, you know, analyzing that kind of relationship and measuring it, then you can get back and they actually work. <laughs> they're going to tell you what's working and what's not. They're going to be real with you. They're not going to kind of ho-hum it and not want to hurt your feelings, but they're actually going to tell you. And you might be able to cut things that you don't need then or prioritize and develop a very good uh, project and have them more involved with just helping out with it too. I mean, that's fine too because a lot of people, um, especially when you're serving people, they kind of want to give back sometimes and they want to be a part of that or they just want to be surrounded by that community for longer. Okay, so you guys, don't be lonely and create an island for your nonprofit. If you do, you will more than likely dissolve after several years. Now, we all have known nonprofits that has have dissolved their organizations because it just didn't work out. You need the support from others to squeak by at times and to thrive at other times. So, now go send out an invitation to that one funding source you haven't been able to crack yet. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the grant writing and funding podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.